Last week, uh, we entered uh, a season in the life of the church that is known as epiphany, which is a word that literally means striking appearance or uh, manifestation. And with uh, a little e, epiphany is a word that uh, all of us can use and have used to describe some moment of discovery, some moment of realization uh, about something in our lives to the point where you might say to a friend of yours, you know, I think I've just had an epiphany. But with a capital E, epiphany uh, designates this time uh, after the 12 days of Christmas and before the coming of Lent when we focus on the striking appearances and manifestations of Jesus. Uh, having fast forwarded now from Bethlehem's manger and the coming of the Magi, which you heard about last week, to those moments when he manifested and appeared uh, to his followers in the region known as Galilee. And one of those moments includes uh, what I have referred to as the signature verse of this congregation when the Apostle Andrew, uh, after whom our church gets its name, has a meeting with Jesus, and as a result of that meeting, he goes to his brother and he says to him, we have found the Messiah. Uh, after which he then arranges a meeting between his brother and Jesus that would change his brother's life and the whole history of the world. And so uh, last Wednesday at uh, the class I was teaching at Common Ground, it was confirmed uh, once again uh, that our congregation uh, got its name in part because we were chartered near the feast day of St. Andrew on the church's calendar of saints days, but more importantly because any church that bears the name of Andrew is a church that sends a message to the world that we have found the Messiah. And our call is to arrange more and more meetings for our sisters and our brothers and our friends and even strangers so that they might come into a relationship with Jesus. And I want to talk with you a little bit today about how exactly that has worked, how it can work uh, in the future. But before I do that, I, I want to spend some time uh, focusing a little bit more on the power of Andrew's words. When he says to his brother, Simon, later known as Cephas in Aramaic or Peter in Greek, we have found the Messiah. Because the word Messiah is a word that I think a lot of people are uh, at least vaguely familiar with. Uh, you hear it uh, in the life of the church as well, but uh, uh, we may not think about its uh, deeper meaning and uh, what it really represented in the way that Andrew used that word and the way Peter heard uh, that word. Because uh, the word Messiah is actually a Hebrew word meaning the anointed one, the Greek equivalent of which is the word Christ. So Messiah and Christ are basically the same word in two different uh, languages. And in the Old Testament, the act of anointing a Messiah, an anointed one, or a Christ, an anointed one, the act of anointing either an object or even a person uh, was a symbolic act of setting that object or that person apart for the glory and for the purposes of God. And so uh, in the book of Genesis, for example, uh, Jacob has this dream in which he is connected to God. And he wakes up from the dream, and at that place where he had his dream, he sets up a stone and he anoints the stone with oil to set it apart for God, and he calls that place Bethel, 
which in Hebrew means the house of God. In the book of Exodus, uh, the uh, altar of the tabernacle where the children of Israel worshipped on their way to the promised land was anointed with oil. It was set apart for the worship and the glory of God. And so in just that way, in the year of our Lord 2006, when the ground was broken for the building of this house of worship, we placed olive oil from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem at the very spot where the altar of this sanctuary now rests. In addition to anointing objects for the glory and the praise of God, in the Old Testament there were also uh, three categories of people who were anointed, set apart as mediators for God. A mediator is of course a person who stands between two parties and connects them with each other. And these categories of mediators who were anointed were known as prophets, priests, and kings. Kings were anointed to rule on behalf of God in the theocratic uh, kingdom of uh, Israel, or at least that's what they were supposed to do. In fact, uh, this coming May, uh, the coronation of Britain's King Charles III will include his anointing with oil by the Archbishop of uh, Canterbury. Uh, priests were anointed. They were set apart to make offerings and sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Prophets were anointed to speak the, to the people on behalf of God. And so in the Old Testament, there wasn't just one anointed person. There were many anointed people, many uh, messiahs, if you'll pardon the expression, with a, with a small M. And yet none of them were referred to as the Lord, or Yahweh, or Jehovah, or the Redeemer, or the Savior, because the children of Israel were looking and waiting for the one who was promised, who would come to be not just a Messiah, but to be the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one who would bring the offices of prophet, priest, and king together in one person who we know as the person of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the prophet, priest, and king, all rolled up into one, the one mediator who by his sacrificial love connects us to himself and to his father God for all eternity. And so uh, when Andrew goes to Peter and he says, we have found the Messiah. He wasn't talking about any old prophet, priest, or king. He was talking about the one they were waiting for, the one who would bring the prophet's good news of forgiveness and freedom and life, the one who would sacrifice himself for the sins of the people, the one who would rule gently and in love over the entire kingdom of God. And that explains why this word, uh, Messiah, is found 39 different times in the Old Testament. But Messiah, or Christ in Greek, is found 500 times in the New Testament. Just to reinforce and to make clear who exactly Jesus is. And so given uh, the significance and background and the power of those uh, words, having said all of that, uh, we go now to this meeting between Jesus and Peter uh, the fisherman, which as you probably already noticed, is really part of a chain reaction of meetings that, that begins with John the Baptist, who we meet once again in the aftermath of uh, Advent. 
and who speaks in response to the coming of Jesus. And he says to two of his disciples, one of whom is Andrew, our namesake, look, the Lamb of God. Now that is also a term that we might be vaguely familiar with. And it's also one that they may not have fully understood, even though they obviously knew that lambs were uh, part of temple sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Lambs were uh, part of the Passover uh, celebration and sacrifice. But, but why John would refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God is not something they would understand fully until yet another epiphany down the road. And so Jesus comes and says, behold the Lamb of God, after which Andrew, our namesake, meets Jesus and says to him, where are you staying? And Jesus responds with three very important words that apply to you and me and so many others in our lives. He says, come and see. And so he does. And they spend time with him uh, that day. And John even says, you know, it was the 10th hour. It was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Having had that meeting, Andrew responds by going to his brother, Peter, and arranging a meeting between Peter and Jesus that would change his life and the history of the world. And while the passage ends with Jesus meeting with Peter, the chapter actually goes on and the chain reaction of meetings continues in a meeting between Jesus and Philip. And as a result of that meeting, Philip goes to Nathanael and says, we have found the one about whom the prophets had written. Well, Nathanael isn't buying what uh, Philip is selling because he can't remotely believe that the Messiah would come from such a low-life place as Nazareth. And so Philip says to Nathanael what Jesus says to Andrew, come and see. And so Nathanael does that and he meets Jesus. And he comes to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God. And that chain reaction of meetings just keeps perpetuating itself from one person to another, across the region of Galilee, down into Judea, all throughout this world, and across the corridors of time to this very day, in some places, faster and more effectively than in others. Now, some of you here at St. Andrew uh, may recall a certain Sunday morning uh, some years ago, it was pre-COVID, uh, when on that day, uh, blank pieces of paper were placed in the worship materials of all the folks who, who came here uh, on that particular day. And during the morning of announcements, uh, I asked everyone here to take, you know, uh, just a minute or 90 seconds to write down the first names of everybody that we knew or that we could think of who has yet to find the Messiah, who doesn't know Jesus, who's not part of a family or a community that, that bears his name. I mean, we weren't asking for contact information or even last names, but just the first names of the people that we knew. And then we passed our papers in, kind of like a classroom, and the ushers counted them up. And on that one day, just among the people who came to worship on that Sunday morning, there were almost 2,000 names, people we already know, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, colleagues, friends, neighbors, 
co-workers. And so we prayed for those people on that day. And we also prayed for the passion of Andrew and for our courage in witnessing and speaking of what we have seen, what we have experienced, what we have found, and extending that invitation to a meeting that would change their life in the one who loves them, who saves them, who forgives them, who brings them comfort and purpose and peace and hope in time and for all eternity. And so here at the Church of St. Andrew, we build buildings and we do good works of service and we have great events and we load up things on the internet and we do a whole lot more and it's all very good. But the fact is that the dominant way that the kingdom of God grows is from one person to another person to another to another. And so today, as I think about all those great meetings, I think about uh, a man who is now with the Lord, but his name was Gordon, and he came to St. Andrew by himself one time. And as a result of his meeting with Jesus, 11 of his family members ultimately came over the course of time for their own meetings with Jesus. And, and so we give thanks for that chain reaction. I think today of a woman in our congregation named Kay, who is still with us. She joined this congregation before we even got here. And she brought her children, her daughter and her son, to their meetings with Jesus and raised them up in the faith. And because of those meetings, I got to uh, preside at the wedding of her daughter, and then I got to preside at the wedding of her son, Sean. And it was at that wedding, at Sean's wedding, that I had my first meeting with a man who played the saxophone, who unbeknownst to me would become one of my best friends and trusted colleagues in ministry, who would come to the church that bears the name of Andrew, and he would set off a chain reaction himself of people who came through his witness in ministry to their own meetings with Jesus. I give thanks for Kay who set off a chain reaction that nobody could have predicted. I give thanks for young parents who bring their daughter to the waters of holy baptism with the promise that there will be more meetings with Jesus as the kids grow up in Christ. I give thanks for our daughter, Andrea, who Patty and I introduced to Jesus along with so many people here at St. Andrew, who along with her husband, Joel, who got introduced to Jesus by his family, his parents, his church family, will bring their daughter, my granddaughter, to her meeting with Jesus in the waters of baptism next Sunday, Lord willing. I think today of a pastor, a leader, another dreamer, and his meeting with Jesus, and how he was actually named after the great reformer, Martin Luther. And because of his meeting with Jesus, he called the world to live that way, in peace, in justice, in harmony with one another, to walk as the children 
of the light. And so with all of those great meetings and, uh, and that blessed chain reaction that continues to this day, I wish all of you a world of great epiphanies. And I invite you to come and see what God is still doing among the people who have found him as their Messiah, their Christ, their anointed one, their Lord. Come and see the forgiveness, the salvation that he has won for you when you receive the body of Christ into your hands. Come and see what goes on as God makes his way into a community of faith that is far from perfect, but it's a place where love flows and grace is given and comfort is provided and hope is found and faithfulness wins the day every single time as we give witness to the one who comes to us who is our Christ, our anointed one, our Lamb of God, our prophet, priest, and king, all rolled into one, your Savior, your Redeemer, and the best friend that you and I will ever have as we journey together onto the greatest and the best of all epiphanies when we walk as children of the light into the glory of God forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.